Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another awesome episode of Real Estate Investing Mastery. This is the coaching podcast series that I'm doing and I'm really enjoying this because I get to meet a lot of cool people, some for the first time or some people that I've known for a while and uh, just kind of dive deep into their business as deep as you can in a 30 minute call. You know what, one of the things that inspired me to do this, I was listening to Dave Ramsey and I'm not claiming to be like a Dave Ramsey at all, but this guy called and had this like really serious problem and Dave was you know, I, I'm not going to bash Dave because the guy's super smart, but was kind of Dave was kind of like a jerk and uh, really cut the guy off short and didn't give him time to explain the question. And um, I was like, wow, now I get it. You're on a nationally syndicated radio show. You only have a couple minutes. And I thought, well, you know, I got a small little audience. Maybe I could spend more time with people and try to help them with with some knowledge and experience that I have. And uh, so that's why, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing this podcast coaching series. And uh, today we got a cool guest. Her name is Mary Pouts and uh, she's from Wisconsin. How do you say Wisconsin? How do the Wisconsinites say it? Wisconsin. <laughs> that sounds normal. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but say, but say, uh, it, and I hope you, it's, I've been to Wisconsin a lot of time and I love Wisconsin, but I, I love listening to them talk like, you know, the way, Y'all say uh, out and about. And you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, okay, enough of that. I like literally I've been to Wisconsin probably at least twice, two or three times a year. I'll go up there. Oh, wow. Yeah, just to, I get invited to speak at a real estate club or we went to the Wisconsin Dells this summer yeah. and uh, loved it up there. Or I'll go visit Steve Cook in Baraboo. Oh, yeah. He's right by the Dell. Yep, yep. So anyway, Mary, glad you're here. Thank Let you me just uh, ask you a few questions here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get some interested in real estate? Well, I had um, a downsizing of a job way back in 2000, 1999, 2000, somewhere around there. And I was uh, kind of toying around with, do I do insurance? Do I do real estate? Do I do insurance? Do I do real estate? And I went ahead and got my insurance license. And a year later, I knew that I still needed to do real estate. So I went ahead and got licensed in real estate in 2002. And my intent was to eventually own rental properties, get involved with, um, you know, flipping houses and that kind of thing. So I slowly got involved doing all that and really started as an investor in about 2005, 2006 is when I really um, started doing some investing. Okay. So yep. you've been at it for a while. Yeah, I took a break for a little bit. Um, we had um, uh, an illness with my mother and then she passed away. So I took time with uh, not only caring for her, but then settling her estate and then just um, having some mental clarity in that afterwards. And I actually was ended up taking a job after that because I had been so out of the ballpark for a while. So I'm kind of restarting, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh -huh. um, I was one of those people that followed... Um, uh, being an investor and, you know, the, the life in our way, but then I was forced back into a J-O-B and now I'm trying to get back out. So restarting. <laughs> All right. So are you still working full-time right now? 
Yes, I am. I am working full time. Um, I have got my real estate broker license. Um, I have my own entity with that as well as my investment company. And I try to take as much time as I can outside of that full time job to get this business back up and running so that I can eventually have that freedom to be self-employed again. Nice. Okay. Um, So how many, have you done deals in the past when you were kind of getting started way back then? what, What kind of deals were you doing? Well, you know, it's interesting. I didn't even know there was such a thing as like coaches or mentors or gurus. And I just um, jumped in with two feet, um, did my first one back in 2005. And I started out with a rehabbing. I hadn't even heard of wholesaling. And then I got connected with uh, my friend's husband who had heard of wholesaling through Steve Cook. And he was doing trailers at the time, mobile homes. Really? And he would buy them and fix them and sell them. And he started with Steve's course and got involved with wholesaling and said, oh, you got to listen to more about what this program is and what they've got to offer because, you know, you can go in and wholesale a deal and rehab one on the side and just keep building your business. So So this must have been before Steve moved to Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Um, This was when Steve was still out in Maryland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Way back when. (laughs) So how did you get your deals back then? Well, it was much easier than it is now. And I think that's why, not only because I have a full-time job, but because the industry is different. But I bought HUD houses like crazy, like like it was a kid at a candy store. They sometimes had 100 of them on their website. And you'd go in and you'd bid. And um, I literally wouldn't even look at the house. I'd bid on the house. I'd get the property. You could see everybody's bids back then. And so like 10 people would call me that night and say, I see you got a house on whatever street. What are you going to do with it? I'd be like, hey, I'll wholesale it to you. So I'd either rehab them or wholesale them, depending on, you know, what was involved with the property, what it was, what it was worth doing, I guess is a good way to put it. Okay. So a lot of what I was doing was buying the HUD properties and also sending out um, some letters to people who were facing foreclosure and also buying MLS properties back then worked at that time as well. So So you kind of understand wholesaling. I mean, you've already Mm -hmm. done it in the past and you already kind of know what's involved. Not much has changed really since between now and then. Right. Some would say it's interesting you say it was easier back then. <laughs> it's funny because I I've been doing this since 2006 part time and then full time since 2009. Sure. But I remember when the market was screaming hot back then and everybody was complaining about how hard it was to do deals. And here are the same complaints again when the market is hot. But then when the market was falling and when it was cold or flat, people were still complaining about how hard it is to do deals and find leads and. So maybe it's just a matter of perspective and, and granted it is harder now possibly because because the response rates of direct mail aren't as high as they used to. I do know that my area is a very different market than like say even going over to Appleton across the state from me. I used to do a lot more wholesale deals over there. Oh, really? Before I even moved back over there, I would buy a house and I'd wholesale it over to somebody else. 
over there. Um, we have a much more conservative market over here. It's a much more smaller town. The Fox Cities has got a bunch of little towns around it crammed together where there's probably about 300,000 people total. Where it's just like one town of 89,000. And then like 10 minutes up the road is another 17,000. And there's not a lot around us. And so it's, it's completely night and day when it comes to what's available in the market. So I usually look at the Appleton area as well as this area when I'm looking for properties. Yeah. Okay. So what are you, well, first of all, let me ask you, what are the one or two things that you really want to accomplish on this call? Well, it seems like finding deals has changed for me. When I do find them, there's a lot of investors right now that are outbidding me. So I'm having a hard time getting a deal. The other thing is funding. A lot of the sources of funding that I had in the past they don't exist anymore. Um, that being whether it's a person or like a local banker that I used to use, the way that they're lending um, has changed. So trying to find some private lenders has um, not been that easy for me. So those are kind of the two things right now. And of course, I'm trying to balance the time of having this full-time job and being able to get this business going again. I didn't have that big of a struggle before because I was running an insurance business that had a residual income coming in mm-hmm. and I was my own boss. So I could come and go and do as I please. And I had the time to do real estate. Whereas right now, because I work a full-time job, I'm expected to be in the office or doing certain things that are required of me to do. So my time is more limited than it was way back when I first got involved. And so I feel like I'm trading time for money right now and I'm being paid nothing of what I'm worth. <laughs> and so I've got to get out of the J-O-B and get back to what I know and what I want to do with real estate. Okay. What are some of your goals right now with real estate then? Is it to um, quit your job? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I know six months is a little hard of a stretch to get out there and do it that quickly, but I'm that tied down at my job and that I don't want to say desperate, but I'm that eager to get out of there. Um, when I sat and did my taxes and looked at everything for the full year that I've been there, um, it's like, wow, I could work at McDonald's and probably make more than this. And I'm a licensed insurance, yeah. like annuity and life agent. And I'm, I'm making crap, you know, so, but I want that residual income with regard to real estate, just like I used to have with insurance. And the way that I, my plan is to build that up is to get some rental properties under my belt that have some cash flow, some storage units under my belt that have some cash flow, as well as be doing some wholesaling and some rehabbing for larger profit deals. Okay. Do you own any rentals now? No, um, I had gotten rid of those way back in 2013. I've never held one for an extended period of time. I more or less do it on a rent-to-own basis. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll maybe take a property, I'll rehab it, and then if I need to do a rent-to-own for a family that maybe can't close for three, four, five, six months, I'll do that. Uh, the longest I've held one is about seven or eight months. Um, and then I usually just have them rent it from me to own it so that I can get in out as quick as possible. Okay. But I now want to look for rentals that I am actually going to hold that will have cash flow. Okay. If you don't mind me asking, what kind of monthly income do you need to be making to quit your job? And Well, like I said, I'm not getting paid. I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul right now, which is a joke because I'm working. I was working 50 hours a week for this company and to be paid as little as I am and Rob Peter to pay Paul just doesn't make sense to continue to do that. I need right now about 
35, 3,600 just to be like paying the bills, paying the debts and being comfortable. I, I, ideally, I'd like to be at five or six to be nice and comfortable, but my goal is to be at a minimum of 10. Okay, but you're, if, you, if you start making five grand a month, you'll quit your job? Oh, God, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, yeah. I mean, it would, everybody would love to make a million dollars a month. Right. But let's, 10 grand a month is, is very attainable, in my opinion. Right. I remember when I was um, still working my full-time job, I bought some guys, well, it was Todd Toback's course on lease purchasing. And this must have been 2008, 2009. And uh, I had a call with him and I asked him very clearly because it was, and I only had like 30 minutes. So I crammed all my questions in there. They were probably the stupidest questions. But like I said to him, Todd, well, my final question is this. I said, can I really make a full-time income doing this? And I needed to make like eight or nine grand a month at the time. And, uh, um, and, and, and he said, I mean, there was, I remember there was a long pause and he said, yeah, of course, duh. <laughs> you know, I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you can. And I, he's, I was, I was blown away, like how confident he was in his answer. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I got, I, I got excited. I like, all right, I believe you. I know I can do it. And so for me, that was like a switch. Like, okay, he says I can do it. I may be gullible. I don't, but I believe him and I know I can do it. If this guy can do it, I can do it. Sure. And for me, like, I, I just remember so clearly that was so pivotal. And I think sometimes maybe it's you, maybe not, I don't know, but like sometimes people just need to hear it. Like, right. Yeah. You really can make a full-time income doing real estate. You really can. Mm-hmm. I see it every day. And in the investors that I know nationwide that are making a killing doing it. And I, yeah. and I think, what is it that's wrong with what I'm doing? Is it because I'm not balancing this focus? Is it because I'm putting 50 hours in a week for this J-O-B? Where's the give here? What's, what do I have to do different to get back to where I was before and doing what these people are doing to have the freedom to be self-employed and earn that kind of a money again? And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because Correct. you've got a full-time job. You don't have 23 24 yeah. hours in a day. And never in my wildest dreams did I think I would actually be back at a job. I've been self-employed for 16 years. Hmm. And I closed my insurance business when I moved over to Appleton to take care of my mother. And my intention was to invest in real estate and work as a, a realtor if I need be. And then we found out she had cancer. And long story short, that all ended up um, being nothing of what I expected. And then emotionally and physically, I needed to take time off to handle things and then move back over here. I was forced to get the job and I never, never saw that coming. Never thought that I would be in that position again, Um, but I didn't have the pipeline that I needed to have built up with my real estate business. And I didn't have the residual income for my insurance business anymore. So I was basically forced into a J-O-B again. And it's like, I got to get out of there. Okay. So your goal I'm looking at this thinking, Mary, you could do this. You've got this. This is like, you only need to do one deal every one or two months. Exactly. To break, just get your break even to pay your bills. And even though you live in a small town, don't let that stop you or hinder you. Because you can do deals in small towns. You can do deals in big towns. You can do deals virtually from where you live in other markets. And that I'd like to learn more about too. Yeah. 
So we're just as, as best you can. I'm not like a motivational coach or anything, but like remove all of that self-doubt, like and, and unbelief, because man, I'm telling you, when, when you've been on the other side, you look at these numbers, you think, man, I could do that in my sleep. Like that's easy. Yeah. But it wasn't always that way. I remember looking at those numbers thinking, oh, my gosh, that's like insane. Are you serious? But And, you know, I know it's possible because my yeah. first year when I invested in real estate, I made $45,000. And then the second year, it was like seventy five or eighty, And I was like, dang, this is awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I know it's possible. And like I said, it's, I don't know if I'm not balancing time right. I don't know if I'm chasing too many things. I, I don't know what I'm doing to stall me from getting where I need to be. Well, you know, I, I was going to talk to you about focus because I think that's going to be really important. Yeah. While you were talking, um, I thought of a lady named Whitney that I interviewed on my podcast. Do you listen to my podcast? It's okay. I have, I know. Yeah. I'm not familiar with Whitney, however. Okay. So if, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, I'm pulling it up right now. I really would encourage you to listen to this podcast. I think you'll relate to her because she's a woman and uh, she's funny and um, she's pretty cool. Her name is Whitney Nicely. She did a podcast, it was episode 567. We released it just a couple months ago and uh, it's called Having Fun Flipping Happy Houses. And she talks, and she's not from a big town either. She's from somewhere in Tennessee. I may be wrong. Maybe she, no, she's not. She's not from a big town, but uh Great podcast. I'd recommend you listen to this. It's episode okay. five, six, seven. So if you go to real estate investing mastery, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to, I'll email this to you. I have okay. a some notes here and I will, I got some other stuff I want to email you, Mary, and I'm going to email you that link. That would be a real good uh, episode you should listen to. And you should, she does uh, videos and stuff. She's active on Facebook. Okay. I would recommend, and she might even have a book. Her website is, um, WhitneyNicely.com, N-I-C-E-L-E-Y. And uh, she's got some simple videos on there. I don't see her book. I actually wrote a book way back when. Oh, you did? I did. It was a workbook. Uh, it was primarily for the students I was working with locally. I did uh, sell it or give it to them when I was working with them at the time. But that has kind of sat dormant and uh, needs to be updated. But uh, well, it is out there on Amazon, actually. <laughs> So, okay. a work quick about what? Uh, about uh, wholesaling and rehabbing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what to do then. You might like what Whitney has. She's got a, I don't think she has a book, but she has some simple courses in here. And uh, she talks about, she talks a lot about balancing work and life. I think you would like Whitney. But anyway, to get to this number, I mean, to five to six grand to be comfortable, right? That's a, more than your break even man, that's not that hard to do. Right. It's so easy. And so I would, you know, you, you've mentioned passive income and that's one of your goals, residual income and cash flow and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the fastest way for cash flow, the fastest path to cash flow is wholesaling. I mean, whether you're doing traditional wholesaling or you're wholesaling lease options or whatever, if you take the slow route of just buying a bunch of rentals, you may be getting a couple hundred, 300 a month in cash flow, but it's going to take you a lot longer to get to that $5,000 a month target if you're just buying rentals. So my advice, I think, would be focus on wholesaling and not worry yet about 
buying uh, cash flow rentals. I mean, maybe if you find a super hot smoking deal, you can keep it and hold it for yourself. But well, I primarily was looking for a duplex that I could live in one side rent out the other. Uh, okay. My mortgage. Well, you know, it'd be easier to buy that while you have a job and some. And, 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 and that's what I'm thinking is, you know, they, they go right away. The side by sides that I want go right away. Um, I've never delved into building. I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. But that was my thought was to get something like that where the other side is paying the majority of my mortgage. It'll be easier for me to get a loan like that. I might have to get private lending initially. Uh, that's one of the things of starting over. And um, while I was taking care of my mom, I ended up going into debt and I didn't have debt before. I had paid that all off with flipping houses. Mm. And so I'm literally starting over and have debt over my head. So would you recommend in wholesaling that I'm banking that to use as income so that I can get out of the J-O-B or that I'm splitting that and paying down some debt and using some as income? What would you recommend? I mean, I, I don't know. It's a good question have, without having to dive deep into it, but sure. you, know, I, you should make it a goal to get out of debt as quickly as possible. Right. But in a certain sense, this job is kind of holding you back from that because exactly. you're working crazy hard. I literally averaged probably $10 an hour when you looked at how much time I put into this company and how much I'm getting paid. Oh. And to have to rob Peter to pay Paul for an entire year that you're working at a company and you're not getting any further ahead paying down debt or, or anything, it's very frustrating. Do you yeah. have any anything in reserve that you could you know, stop working and, and float no. yourself for a couple months? No. Yeah, I don't. I'm not in a position where I have anything in reserve. I've only accumulated debt, like while my mom was sick, of course, and afterwards. But um, also, while I've been working for this company, I needed to get a new car because my car died, and different things have happened that have put me further into debt. And it's like I can't keep going this this way. I've got to get out of the job. I've got to get back into doing what I want to do and love to do. I'm having difficulty finding deals. Like I said, my prior funding resources aren't there anymore. So I need to find different funding sources and just get a plan put together to get up, to get out of the job. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of a few things and I'm writing them down. Sure. Um, first of all, I would encourage you, Mary, to really focus in on just one strategy, and that's wholesaling. Okay. And, you know, you just wholesale one deal, that's five grand minimum. You shouldn't be making any less than that. But then that's one deal a month. You could do that pretty easily, but it all comes down to making offers. I like to work backwards, right? So if you have a, and I'll email you a link to a marketing plan that I have. It's a spreadsheet working backwards from, if it's five, we'll just use round numbers here. You can write these down, but I have this on a spreadsheet that will kind of help you. But like, if you, if your goal is to make five grand a month, that's one deal a month. So let's just say it's two deals a month to be conservative. I mean, if you, if you aim high and you, or if you shoot, if the target's high and you aim low and you met, how does that saying go? <laughs> um, if you aim high, <laughs> anyway, so um, let's say you need to do two deals a month and let's say it takes you 30 leads to do one deal. That means you need 60 leads a month, right? 60 leads a month to do two deals and a lead. I consider a lead any seller that responds to my outgoing marketing. 
Okay. Now, if you're bidding on HUDs um, or if you're bidding on the MLS property as well, we'll add that into the marketing plan later, but just kind of bear with me here. So if you need 60 leads a day, you take 60 divided by 30, that's two, well, 60 divided by 30 is two leads a day, right? I think, I mean, you should try to talk to at least like three to five sellers a day, but let's just say three a day. That's exactly what I had down on my goals when I sat down for my goals for the new year. So if you could talk to three sellers a day or make three offers a day, over time, that momentum is going to build and you're going to start doing deals, not just from your new leads that you're getting in, but from the follow-up on your old leads. So this is all kind of a marketing, I mean, all kind of a numbers game because you, you've got to build that momentum. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time at first to get there. But the marketing plan, the goal of this is to say, all right, well, this is how many leads I need a day. What kind of marketing am I going to do to get three leads a day where I can make three offers a day, right? Right. And there's things you can do that don't require much money for uh, marketing. Like, because it doesn't sound like you have a lot of that to spend right now. So you can't do a bunch of direct mail. What are some other things you can do, right? So. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, I like to break down my, my goals into things I can control. I can't control making five grand a month. I can't control that my average profit's going to be $5,000. I can't control that I need 30 leads to do one deal, et cetera, et cetera. But I can control how much marketing I'm doing every day or every week. And you can take those numbers then and put them into a spreadsheet or a scorecard so you can start tracking your progress. And this is where getting a coach can help you hold you accountable. Maybe it's not a coach. Maybe it's a family friend that you have or, or, or a neighbor or somebody at a local real estate club that you have coffee with every week. But if you have a scorecard and be held accountable to your numbers, you know what you need to do every day, every week. So what are some of the things you could do in your marketing plan? Well, the first thing is Craigslist. I'm not talking about placing ads in Craigslist. I'm talking about sending texts and emails to landlords and for sale by owners who have houses listed on Craigslist. And maybe you can't afford a virtual assistant yet, but after your first deal, you make a little profit. You should get a virtual assistant as soon as possible who can do this marketing for you. But first thing I would start with is every day looking for rentals and for sale by owners in Craigslist. Now, what market are you in in Wisconsin again? In the Eau Claire area. We're about an hour from Minneapolis. Okay. So do you, did you try to do, would you be open to doing deals in Minneapolis? You know, I meant to talk to Mike Jacka about it a little bit more. I've met him in passing through certain things over the years and I need to get in contact with him about maybe coming over to his RIA and getting involved with that a little bit more. We do have a RIA here and he came and spoke, I think it was a couple months ago. But yeah, I'd be open to doing it in that area um, okay. as well as, how far is Appleton? Appleton's three hours, but I was born and raised there, so I know that area like the back of my hand. I'm familiar with Green Bay because I worked up there for several years. And how far are you, are you from Madison? Madison is about the same, a little over two and a half, between two and a half and three hours. Appleton's about three hours. Green yeah. Bay's about three hours. So you know the Appleton-Green Bay area a lot better. Correct, right? yeah. So if you're going to look to it like an additional market, I might even suggest Appleton 
Green Bay instead of Minneapolis. Right. Because um, you can, you, you'll have less competition there, there for deals. Right. Um, but the cool thing about Craigslist is you've got the entire United States at your fingertips. There's hundreds of thousands of landlords that are advertising vacant houses right now on Craigslist that would be open to an offer or for sale by owners who would entertain, who's, you know, who, who would entertain an offer from an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you can do some creative stuff, creative financing, like lease options or owner financing. And, and it's the cheapest marketing that you can do right now, really. So I would suggest if you could make it a goal to send maybe 10 or 20 text messages or emails a day okay. to Craigslist ads. Now you're going to have to go outside of your local Craigslist area. You might have to go to Appleton or Green Bay or Minneapolis, uh, some of the, you know, even Madison. I don't know, but like you have enough in Wisconsin that you could do 10 to 20 text messages a day easily. Sure. Right. And that's stuff I teach in my course, but like, it's so simple. You just, you know, every day you go in you look for the, for, for houses and uh, you, if it has a phone number, you send them a text message or if it doesn't have a phone number, you send them an email and you can ask them things like, Hey, I like this house. Is it still available? If they respond back, you say, I'm an investor. Um, are you the owner? See what they say. If they respond back, yeah, you could say, well, you know, if it's a nicer home and it doesn't need any work, I'd make a lease purchase option uh, offer on that property. And I might say, well, looks like a super nice house. You, you wouldn't be interested in maybe renting it for a year and then selling it, would you? Just to try to get your foot in the door, see what they say. If it's a for sale by owner, you could say something like, I saw your property. Um, you, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, I, I saw your house on Craigslist. I'm an investor. Is your price negotiable? The idea is just sending out simple text messages asking real simple questions. I saw your rental. You wouldn't be open to, or you wouldn't entertain an offer to sell it, would you? Uh, Have you ever thought about selling your rental? I'd be interested in making an offer and buying it. You'll find, in my experience doing this, generally I get about an 8 to 10% response rate of people that raise their hand and say, yeah, I might, you know, make an offer. Maybe tell me more, something like that. So if you can send 10 or 20 a day, however you want to do it, like just sometimes I'll send the text. The first text is, hey, I saw your rental. Would you be open to selling it? But the, it, the, the idea is you're going to keep on sending these texts and these emails out and you're going to follow up with them. They may respond back and says, yeah, I'd, I'd consider selling it. Or maybe it's a realtor that's listed this rental property. It's a property management company. And they say, you know, you can start the conversation with them. Would your client maybe have any interest in selling this rental? I'd like to make an offer on it. And you can represent me and get both sides of the commission, right? Oh, that's a great idea. The, the, the realtor property manager may say, no, they, they don't want to sell it. They just bought it or whatever. You can say, well, do you have any other clients that might have some rental properties they'd like to sell? Here's the thing I've never had. I mean, if a property manager kind of likes you or, you know, trusts you a little bit, I've never had a property manager say, no, I don't have any clients that don't want to sell any rentals. Especially when I tell that property manager, hey, you know what? I can, you know, I know you're an agent. I am too. I'll let you keep both sides of the commission. If you, do you have anybody else that you know of? Any other landlords that might be tired of their rental property would love to just sell them. You might even find buyers that way too. And maybe even private lenders. But anyway, you, you just, the idea is you want to start 
building a list of landlords, of property managers, and realtors, and just find as many people as you can and ask them, do you want to sell your house? Do you know anybody? Not this house. Do you have any other houses you want to sell? Do you know anybody who wants to sell a house? And sending those texts and those emails and maybe even picking up the phone is a great way to start talking to people, flapping your lips, and start building some relationships, you know? And uh, you have enough experience in the history in the real estate business. You can talk their language and uh, that would be a great thing to do. So anyways, that goes in your marketing plan, right? Send 10 to 20 text messages a day. What else could you do? What if you made it a goal to send five offers a day on the MLS to, uh, to MLS properties, right? I don't know if you know what your MLS is like. Do you have access to the other MLSs? in Wisconsin or is I it do to some extent we have a thing called matrix and it's yeah. that if the different boards throughout the Wisconsin are part of that matrix group they'll be in my MLS as well but if they're not then I don't have access okay because what you could do and, and eventually you get a virtual assistant to do this and you know I've been checking into virtual assistants and I kind of put a word out and I don't even remember to be honest with you what group I posted on but I got several and I don't know who to trust. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that also. And I, I have a link I'll send you okay. to a course that I did called Easy Outsourcing 101. Okay. And uh, I had a virtual assistant years ago, and she was out of India, and she was absolutely awesome. Um, and I got her name from another investor, and I don't remember who, years ago. But then she like fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. Yeah. So then I put a word out a couple, two, three months ago to look for a VA. And I've gotten, I don't know, probably six or eight, maybe 10 people that have PM'd me through Facebook saying, hey, I saw your post on this group. Are you still looking for a VA? And it's like, yeah, I am, but I'm not quite ready because I wanted to make sure I had it in the budget. I wasn't sure what to budget, to be honest with you. And I wasn't sure who to trust. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, boy. It's one of those egg, the, the chicken or the egg questions. Should you get a VA first or should you invest in marketing? Yeah, and it's hard because the VA could do all this Craigslist stuff for me. So it's almost like throw the VA on a credit card and see what they do for me. And if they don't work. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Do you have any uh, family members or kids or somebody that can help you maybe with this Craigslist stuff and you can just pay them a percentage of the profit in the first couple deals? I don't really. Um, none of my family's in this area. I well, they don't have to be. I don't have. They don't have to be any, from your area, right? Anybody that I can think of in particular, but I, I guess I could open my mind a little bit more and think about who could do some part-time work for me if I spelled it all out for them and said, "These are your duties. This is how you do it. This is what I need done." there would be no different than hiring somebody just, you know, part-time to do those tasks. Why I don't have time to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll find out really quickly that it's, it's, it's hard work, you know? Yeah. Well, even trying to do my letters, um, you know, even sending letters to like pre foreclosures and trying to get even three or five of those out a day is difficult. And all of a sudden the week's gone by and I'm like, dang it, I only did, five all week, you know? And so it's just a matter of having consistency and time to do it has been the, been the difficulty. For me, 
I know what you're talking about. It wasn't until I got somebody else to do it for me that it, it just wouldn't get done. So, right. And that's why I'm thinking hiring a VA is going to make the most sense because yeah. they can be taking that time to do, whether it's the letters or Craigslist or a combination of thereof, uh, to get those tedious little things done that I don't have time for. Okay. If that's, yeah, it's one of those things. If If you've been trying to do it and you can't, then yeah, it's probably a good idea. That's a good time to hire a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I'd encourage you with that is don't overwhelm them with a ton of things that they have to do. Just give them one thing at a time. Sure. And give them their own scorecard so you can track your numbers and talk to them every day. When you hire a VA, it's important you talk to them every day to get updates on where they are and how much did they get done, what are the roadblocks and hindrances, and, and talk to them because – once you get the first thing kind of humming along and going, then you can move on to the next thing, right? How do you usually pay a VA? PayPal. Or, I, you know, if you're using Upwork, you can just pay them through Upwork. Okay. But uh, I'll send you a link to my course, Easy Outsourcing 101. In fact, I'll just give it to you for free. We've sold it before for two or 300 bucks. I'll, I'll just give it to you for free and give you access to that. Thank but um, that's a good place to start to kind of, we, we teach in that course. It's a simple course, how to find, hire, and train them. And um, I'm writing myself a note there. Okay, so I want to I move on because I want to hustle here with the time. Um, what else can you do? Well, you can maybe make it a goal to send five or ten letters a day to pre-foreclosures. Now, I've never liked doing pre-foreclosure mail. I, I've always didn't like the competition. So many people going after those pre-foreclosures. So, you know... You can still do it if you want, if you have experience, because I can't say you won't do a deal from it because a lot of people are. I just have found that there's maybe easier ways. Well, it seems like everybody's doing it. If you talk to the people at our local RIA group, oh, sure. um, a lot of them are sending out letters or postcards, and they're getting the names off of different lead list sites. Here's what I'd recommend instead. And I've had pretty good success with this. I like sending letters to the rentals that are on Zillow and Craigslist. A lot of those rentals do not show up yet as absentee owners in the county record. So they're not getting a lot of mail. You know, you've got the seller that tried to sell their house. They had a job transfer and uh, maybe a divorce or something happened and they, had to, they have to sell their house and they just listed it for rent. It has, they haven't changed the tax county records to show it as an absentee owner yet. And you think about it, that home is vacant. Oh, sure. And especially if you can do a, um, a lease option on that home. So I would prefer to see you send mail to the rentals on Zillow, send them directly to the homeowner. Now you are licensed, are you? Yes. Well, okay. Well, off record, I would, I would suggest sending the letters to the owners, even if it's listed with a property manager. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, but like take that with a grain of salt. And uh, think about it. You, you could, you know, you definitely never want to tell the seller to cancel their listing agreement. But like, you know, maybe put on the letter, hey, listen, um, you know, if your house is listed with an agent, uh, go ahead and give this letter to them. And I'd be glad to work with them or whatnot. But like, okay, whatever. I'll change the subject. But like send some letters, right, to uh, uh, rentals. I would just send, here's the thing. I would send letters to all the rentals on Zillow and Craigslist. And, you know, if somebody asks, he's like, man, I don't, I'm sorry. I send hundreds of letters a week and I'm, I'm really sorry. Or I could use the, my virtual assistant did it. Yeah, okay, great. There you go. 
<laughs> but anyway, whatever. Don't do it. <laughs> Expired listings are a great list to mail to, especially it's when you can list on Red Red X. Yeah, the Red X for Fizzbos. Apparently, they had no pre foreclosures in my area. The only thing they had was expired listings and fizzles. And I said, well, I don't need expired. I can get that right off my MLS. But Red X was going to, they're supposed to be sending me fizzle leads. And I've gotten like five. And I signed up for leads almost two months ago already. And I've only gotten five. Yeah, I don't know if that's, you, you, I don't know if you need them. I mean, no, I don't think I do. Numbers. I'm not going to renew my three month thing that I bought. <laughs> There's only two websites you need to get fizzles. you know, Zillow and Craigslist. Okay. Maybe for sale by owner.com or fizbo.com, but like you can get that free and eventually a, a VA would do that. But you could send, I would send text messages to fizbos and emails and I would send letters to expired listings. And this is my message to expired listings. I want to buy your house. Now you can't say I'm not an agent, but you could say, even though I am a licensed realtor, I'm not looking for listings. I want to buy your house and I buy houses regardless of equity. You need to make sure you, you let that out and tell them you can buy houses regardless of equity. It doesn't matter how much they owe on the property. And okay. so you will get calls from that. So that's good. I'd recommend, so now putting into your marketing plan, 10 to 20 Craigslist ads a day, you're sending text messages or emails. Then I would say send, if you could, 10 to 20 letters a day to these things I'm telling you about, like the rentals on Zillow and Craigslist or expired listings. I would probably stop notice of default, um, you know, unless you really wanted to do that. The third thing you need to do, and I recommend you have at least three different types of marketing that you're doing, is uh, making offers on the MLS. And there's different ways you could do that. You could just send straight up cold offers, or you could send emails to the realtors. And this is what I like to do because my VAs can do this for me really easily. They'll go in and they'll, you know, they'll look for properties that have been on the market over 60 days that look like they need work and send an email to the listing agent. Hey, I'm so-and-so with this broker. I saw this property. looks like a decent home. I'm just, I'm really interested in it. I'd like to make an offer, but I don't want to offend. I, I approach it with like a, uh, almost an apologetic tone, right? Sure. I say, listen, I'd like to make an offer on this property, but I definitely can't pay 170 that they're asking. How negotiable are they? Would they consider maybe something in this price range? I'd give a price range and I'd say, listen, I, I, before I, I didn't want to send you a, a, over a contract. But, you know, if this, if this is completely out of the ballpark and if it would offend your client, just never mind, just delete this email or whatever. I play it really soft. I call it my soft pass offer. Okay. And, uh, my, I learned that from my realtor, my assistant, who's also my realtor. She kind of takes that approach. She plays this good cop, bad cop, you know, like she's this nice pro realtor and her client is this nasty, low-balling investor, right? <laughs> and so immediately she builds rapport and she kind of apologizes in advance. I'm sorry, you know, but I, I have to make this offer for my greedy uh, <laughs> investor, okay? <laughs> But it works. It's like crazy. And so whatever, just go ahead and do it. So it kind of gets your foot in the door. And uh, so you might get your foot in the door and then my realtor might say, yeah, you know what? They're negotiable. Go ahead and make an offer. But it's, it's the realtors that you want to network with that are willing to list these properties that need work. And you want to network with them and you get on the phone with them and say, listen, I, sometimes, you know, bef 
it's a hassle to list these properties that need a lot of work. If, uh, if ever you come across any of these other deals that you'd like to just sell quick, give me a call. I'd love to make an offer on it and I'll let you get both sides of the commission. Okay. Okay. So those three things, I mean, if you could put that down in a scorecard and then track your numbers, you need to track how many texts and emails are you sending out to Craigslist? How many letters are you sending a day? How many offers are you making every day? And you're going to find when you start doing this, you're going to get three new leads a day. So it all kind of works backwards into things you can control, right? Right. And that's what you put into a scorecard. Now, I would encourage you, number one, to create a marketing plan. And I'll send you a link to mine that I have on a spreadsheet. You know, it kind of helps a little bit. But it could be on a napkin. It doesn't matter. But just write out what what your plan is. Like, what are the things that you're going to do every day to start getting leads? That's number one. Number two, I want to suggest a book called Getting the Money. You can get it on Amazon for $8 on Kindle, 20 bucks paperback. It's called Getting the Money. It's written by a lady called um, Susan Lassiter Lyons. The subtitle is like how to raise 250 grand in private money in the next 30 days. For some reason, raising private money is really intimidating to a lot of people, and I get it. But it's way easier than you might think. That book sounds so familiar. I've either heard of it before or I've bought it and it's sitting on a book in a, in a box somewhere. <laughs> this version, I'm not sure if she's done how many editions, but it was released in 2015. Okay. So it's a newer book and uh, she's got some courses on it, I'm sure, but it's a really good book and she's a successful investor. I'd recommend looking into that. Getting the money, Susan Lassiter Lyons, and I'll email you a link to that on Amazon. All right. But um, she talks a lot about how to, you can't just go out there and solicit and advertise for private money, right? But there's, a, there's ways that you can just talk about it to people that you know, and you'll be shocked when people hear what you do and they hear about the kind of deals that you have. She's all about positioning it so that they ask you, well, how do I get involved with that? Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so she does a real good job of that. So that's, that's number two, get that book. The, the other thing I'll tell you is this, number three, you might consider partnering with other local wholesalers because you've got your full-time job right now and you're working really hard. You know, how are you going to go to Appleton to look at a house or how are you going to, when do you, how are you going to have the time to like meet with the seller, right. you know, get his contract signed and, and, you know, all that stuff. Well, you might consider partnering with local wholesalers in those markets and tell them, listen, and I've done, I've done lots and lots of deals like this and it's amazing how well it works. It's like, I, you know, I find a wholesaler that I know, you know, I, I trust and I say, I'm doing a lot of marketing. I got these leads, but I'm too busy. I can't go to see the house. You know, would you be willing to partner with me on these leads? I'll do the marketing. I'll pre-screen the leads. And all I need you to do is go look at the house, you know, get a contract signed, and maybe help me find a buyer to wholesale it to, and we'll just split it 50-50. So you can now find kind of a wholesaling partner to partner with you on these deals. Now, here's the thing. You know, you're going to be splitting the pie, but I could argue it's a bigger pie, and you're going to have more of them. Because anytime you can go meet with a seller in person at the kitchen table, build some rapport and trust, and you're going to get your properties at a bigger discount when you can do that. And... If you're working with somebody that already has buyers that are looking for deals in that market, 
your wholesaling partner can probably sell it for more than you can. So they can get it cheaper than you can probably over the phone. They can sell it for higher than you can because they know the good buyers there. And third, they can do more of them because they have more time. So you're splitting the pie, but you're getting a bigger pie and you're doing more of them. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely. So I, I would start thinking. I actually just offered that to a gentleman about an hour north of me today. Um, yeah. he's, he's got millions of dollars in rental properties. And I thought for sure he'd want to private lend. And it wasn't him I was talking to directly, but um, it was his niece. And huh. I asked her if I could speak with him. And he said, well, he asked me to just ask you what it's all about. I said, well, I'd rather talk to him directly. I said, but in a nutshell, he can make some really good returns, 12 to 20% on his money. And um, she said, no, nah, he's not interested in that. He's more or less interested in buying a house and then renting to own it to people. And I said, oh, okay. And I didn't really know what to say after that because I was surprised that somebody would pass that down when you've got supposedly. You got to be real careful with, with money, like in talking those terms. I, you know, if you're not going to talk to him, I would have, I would have played a little harder to get if it was me, like on the phone with them. I said, well, it just doesn't sound like they're probably, this gentleman is, is probably interested in what we have to offer and that's okay. And I would pull away. Sure. Pull away in a situation like that. But you, you, you don't want to tell them the number, the percentage or interest that he might've been happy with 8% and he might be thinking 12%. That sounds too good to be true. There's what's the catch. Oh, Sure. And so if he's used to getting 4%, 5% on his money, yeah. what if you offered him 10? What if you doubled it and gave right. him 8 to 10%? Like that he would think that was amazing. Sure. But that book talks about that, getting the money. Okay. So I definitely encourage you to read that. So that'll save you a lot of time. Okay. And uh, will help you do more deals. You can okay. Something to think about. So Mary, out of all the things we've talked about, what are the, what are some of your big takeaways? Um, the big takeaway is having a, a system, maybe having a better plan as opposed to just trying to do this this day, trying to do that that day, actually having a buyer's list, having a lender's list, having a marketing plan, and gauging it with how many of those things I need to do each day to get where I need to be. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're saying yes to this, you got to think about what are you going to say no to, Right. Right. So you've got now this marketing plan and you want to start doing this marketing. You're going to get a VA as soon as possible to help you with it. But like, yeah. what are some of the things that you're going to have to say no to now? So you have the time to, to energy to do that. Yeah. I, I did already tell my boss at work. I said, I'm not putting 50 hours a week in for you anymore. Nice. I said, I'm doing 40 hours. I'm do, I'll do what's expected of me here. I cannot be working for you day, night, weekend, you know, constant people texting, calling me. It's not going to happen anymore. Good. I said, because I have, I, I have no life and I have no time for my other business. And he knows I run this business and he knows I haven't been able to do anything with it all year. And he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I've got to do what I need to do for me. I can't keep Robin Peter to pay Paul. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad that was, that's a great no. What else? I did, uh, tell, I did tell my son also that I'm sorry if I'm going to be selfish but there's going to be a lot of times where I need to just not have the grandkids or him or anybody over here because I've got things I need to focus on Good. or even social things that I need to do places I need to go. So and that's just temporary. I think. Yeah. Right. Right. And let them know that. Yep. Okay. So what, what other takeaway did you get from this? 
That I think I need just needed to just hear you say that I know I can do it. Good. I was feeling, I guess, doubtful, like, God, has the industry changed this month much in the last three years that I kind of took time off that maybe I, I can't do this like I used to be able to do it. But hearing what you've told me and putting a plan in place makes me realize it's very doable. Mm. Good. I'm glad that is because for me, man, it was so cool to hear that. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't do it. It can't actually be done. And I have story after story, Mary, of people that I've worked with, like one lady in particular was um, a stay at home mom. She had two or three screaming, crying, laughing, playing kids that were always hanging on her and her husband worked and she just wanted to make some extra money to pay off some bills and stuff and really, really struggled because she could not talk to people on the phone. She could not talk to sellers. And so she just made it uh, her, her goal to do deals without talking to sellers ever. And so she did. And all she did every day, she'd pick a new random city in Craigslist and send a bunch of texts and emails and would negotiate these deals. She was doing lease options. She would negotiate them by email. Oh, wow. And she would tell sellers, I can't talk. I'm sorry. My kids are screaming, bouncing off the walls. And she would make her offers by email. She would answer questions by email and texting. When she got a property under contract, she would, she would try to market it herself. Sometimes she'd have to get a realtor to help her. But you know, she'd just pick a new city every week. And then she would do a lot of follow-up, okay. a lot of emails and texts to people to follow up. And sometimes people just need to think about it, but you know, you can open up a lot of opportunity if you start thinking outside of just a cash offer, right? If you can start thinking about making some lease option offers or making creative owner financing offers or something like that, you'll find that you'll be able to do a lot more deals. Okay. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, anything else that you take away from this? Um, no, um, I guess I was maybe thinking too hard, (laughs) um, about where to find deals instead of realizing they're so easily found on Zillow and Craigslist. And I think you've reiterated and confirmed what I was thinking with regard to, I need to hire a virtual assistant to help me with some of these tasks. Yeah. So I'll look forward to that link coming from you as to... Were you going to send a link or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I'll send you a um, – my computer's still here. My note's good. They're still here. <laughs> I'll send you some links. I have a, a link to a podcast. I'll send you Whit- Whitney's page. Um, I'll send you a link to that book and the marketing plan spreadsheet, and I'll give you access to that course I created called Easy Outsourcing 101. Awesome. And uh, if anyone else is listening to this and is interested in that course as well, just go to Easy Outsourcing 101 and – you should see a link there to um, get more information about that course. I, it was super cheap, um, but a lot of good value. Um, so good, Mary, I want to wish you the best of success. And, and, and I want to just encourage you, um, remember that you're not in the real estate business, you're in the marketing business. So it all comes down to marketing. That's got to be your focus okay. is marketing, right? And, Great. Uh, that if you focus on marketing, that pretty much everything else falls into place. In my opinion, the money will come. If you got deals, you know, the money's going to come. Good. Thank you so much. You've, you've given me some more confidence. <laughs> good, good. This has been a good podcast. I appreciate it, Mary. Hey, listen, everybody. Um, if you'd like to get some more help uh, yourself, please go to, um, I'm just going to give you my application page, okay? So it's coachjoe.net. Um, my coaching program is really simple. It's just we focus on marketing. We focus on talking to sellers. We focus on the marketing plan and having a scorecard and just 
focusing on what's most important. So if you'd like to just tell us a little bit about yourself, go to coachjoe.net. Tell us what you're, where you are now, what your goals are, and, um, and, and we'll get on the phone and talk a little bit about your business and see if we're a good fit or not and talk about next steps at that point. So again, go, again, go to coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Get on the phone with either myself or, or Gavin, my business partner. Um, we don't outsource our coaching to some third party in Utah. Uh, our students get us. So cool. Thanks a lot, Mary. We'll talk to you later. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.